0: Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology.
1: From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path to become a world-class dermatologist.
0: Hi, my name is Gina Kalko. Welcome to the DIGA podcast. Joining me here today is Dr. Kristen Kelly, and she's going to be telling us about her journey to becoming a dermatologist and advice for current medical students. So with that, let's get started. Hi, Dr. Kelly. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: I'm Kristen Kelly. I'm a professor and chair of the Department of Dermatology at the University of California, Irvine. Excellent. Thank you for being here.
0: Tell me a little bit about what your journey to dermatology was like. So how did it start? What kind of experiences brought you to wanting to be a dermatologist?
1: So I think that some people will say, you know, they wanted to be their profession their entire life. And I have to say that was not me. I, uh, even when I was an undergraduate at UCLA, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go into medicine. My father was a physician, he's an infectious disease specialist, and um, I uh, had seen him work uh, very hard. My father is now uh, 81 years old, he continues to do clinics, and uh, he still works, I would say, 50 hours a week uh, at the university, and uh, in, in earlier years, he probably worked 100 to 120 hours a week. Wow. I have never been afraid of hard work, uh, but I also thought that I wanted to have a family and have uh, some other things in life. Obviously, he had a family because I'm his daughter, but uh, you know, I just wanted to figure out how I would find that balance. So um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go into medicine, but you know, it always uh, was attractive to me to the idea, the idea. So I explored a variety of different options, and I really came down to the idea that medicine was where I wanted to be. And then when I started at UCLA Medical School, I originally was going to be a pediatrician. I loved working with kids. And um, really the reason I got into dermatology is I had a four week block uh, in December of my third year rotations. And the only thing available was dermatology. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. (laughs) Uh, but I did it and I'm like, wow, I don't know anything about this specialty, but I absolutely love it. Uh, and the things I liked about it is uh, the uh, variety. I saw, you know, surgeries happening. I saw complex medical dermatology patients. There was uh, all of this exciting research that was going on. Uh, and this was at Harbor UCLA that I had first my, my first rotation. And the faculty seemed to love it. The residents seemed to love it. So I was just very inspired. And that's what got me thinking about dermatology.
0: That is, that's really interesting to have a physician in the family, but still have this sort of, you know, you have to make your own decisions about the way that in the direction you you want your career to go. So I think that's a really cool entry into dermatology. So what about academic medicine? So what made you
1: choose the path of academic medicine and teaching and research? So again, I, this was not a straight path for me. Maybe this is the theme for me today, but uh, I when I finished my residency, uh, I knew that there were a variety of things I wanted to do, but honestly, I thought that academics might not be for me. I, uh, I did stay part-time at the university doing some research because I was very interested in that, but I did join um, a private practice group at the time because I thought that that was kind of more the direction that I wanted to go. But honestly, after having done that for just a couple years, I think it was four or five years, I left the private practice environment and came back full-time at the university. And the reason I did this is I really felt, again, that I liked the diversity. I like to be able to do research. I like to be able to teach. Uh, And I also wanted to see patients, but I wanted to be able to do all of those things. And so for me to be able to do that, coming back to the university was very helpful. Yeah. I've always been interested in research just because... Uh, I like to explore new possibilities. I like to be able to say to my patients, you know, this is something new that's coming down that will be available for you. I wish I could tell every patient that I had the perfect treatment and answer for them, but the truth of the matter is we often don't. And so I love being able to say to my patients, okay, this is what we have now and this is good, but I'll tell you, there's all this exciting research going on that's gonna make things even better as uh, the time goes on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm an MD-PhD student, so I'm fully on board with research and trying to get the best and latest research ideas into practice, into the clinic. So I think that's one of my career goals. So tell me a little bit more about your research and what you're currently working on.
1: So when I first did a um, fellowship, it was at the Beckman Laser Institute. Um, And the Beckman Laser Institute is one of several Beckman centers across the country, uh, but specifically focused on uh, using light for uh, diagnosis or therapeutics. And so at the center, we have for decades had um, people with multiple different backgrounds who have utilized light, uh, again, for diagnosis or therapeutics. And in my case, of course, as a dermatology, I've used it for looking at the skin. So I have always been interested in light-based therapy because of the training there for the skin. And so my earliest research was looking at different light-based therapies, especially for vascular malformations like port wine birthmarks. And so I've done a variety of research there, but also fairly early on, I started to try to use uh, various light-based techniques for non-invasive skin diagnosis. So instead of having to do biopsies, using our various imaging modalities to try to diagnose um, the lesions in the skin. And then now, you know, our hope is even to be able to diagnose but also maybe even to be able to predict which lesions are going to be uh more uh more difficult to treat and things like that. So to get to have even more information than just making a name for what is the entity in the skin.
0: Very very interesting. That's a really excellent way of putting to practice exactly what we were just talking about. So Tell me a little bit more about, there's certain ways you see the dermatology field changing. So things you've seen over your career or directions that you feel like the field's going.
1: Well, when I was a resident, to give you a little bit of idea, you know, we had no biologics. So none of the treatments that we now use for psoriasis and now are using for other conditions, including atopic dermatitis. Um, we really had no effective treatments for melanoma, except, you know, we could surgically remove a melanoma. But uh, if it was more than that, uh, we really had not very effective treatments. So we live in a very exciting time where these things that traditionally we have not been able to treat very well, when I say traditionally going back, you know, decades, uh, that now we can treat much more effectively. And I think we're just going to get better and better. I do think that there are we are going to be able to have, um, as we understand better the pathogenesis of all of these diseases, and that's of course is what led us to these new therapies, then we're going to have answers for a lot of things. And one of the most important things I think we've discovered is that, things that we have traditionally labeled perhaps should be broken up into multiple categories, shall we say, for example, melanoma, not all melanomas are the same, right? We know that mm-hmm. there are different gen- genetic changes that drive the melanoma. And it's important to know for the individual patient what is their uh mutation, because then you can have a targeted therapy, right? And I think that's gonna be true for a lot of things, including, for example, Port Wine Birthmark. There are different genetic changes that drive those, and ultimately. Uh, we may be using the light-based therapy, which I have used traditionally, but perhaps we'll be able to add something that'll make our treatment more effective or to prevent recurrence. And that, for that, we'll probably have to know the pathway that's involved and then be able to block the pathway that is causing regrowth of vessels. So as we know more about the pathogenesis, I think we're going to have many more therapeutics. I also think that we're in a time where we're going to be able to, uh, in the not so distant future, use a variety of our techniques for non-invasive diagnosis that I was uh, talking about. Now, sometimes this makes dermatologists or dermatopathologists nervous, you know, will that like, will we not be needed? But I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I just think it means that we're going to have better tools that are going to be able to help us find earlier lesions and to identify the lesions that are perhaps going to be uh, more difficult to treat and then be able to try to help those patients with those. So I think it just opens up a whole new world. And just like, just like our biologics, it didn't mean dermatology went away. You know, it just means that we have better tools to treat patients with. And I think this will be a similar uh, kind of progression.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that take on things. It'll be really interesting to see how things progress, even as current medical students go into dermatology at this point. So we are on the DIGA podcast. So I'd love to ask you a few questions regarding current medical students. The first question I'll start with is, do you have any advice for medical students interested in dermatology and how they can inform their decisions and interests and become a competitive candidate for dermatology residency? We all know that residency is very, very competitive and medical students want to know what kind of things can they do to
1: set themselves up for success? Thank you for that question. I will tell you that again we're in a, a time where things are evolving right we're getting uh different ways i mean obviously because of the coronavirus pandemic we've had to change the way we're interviewing and things at least for the time being now that may become more quote unquote normal over the over time but probably things will be changed a little bit forever in in terms of how we approach these kind of things so i will i just want to preface with the fact that you know things are a little bit in flux and i think there'll be more, more information coming out as we really determine the path forward. I do think it's very helpful for people, whenever possible, to have a mentor who can help guide them through the process or at least to give them some information, et cetera, and, and a sounding board. So as things come up that they can help them do that. Now, many uh, schools have a dermatology program that can be helpful. But for students who perhaps don't have a dermatology program, often they might be able to reach out, you know, to another school or something like that, or they might be able to do a rotation. I know that's been a little more limited recently, but they might mm-hmm. be able to do a rotation and then get a mentor through that, or perhaps reach out to a program that has a dermatology program and uh, do a research project with someone, you know, so that they get connected with someone who could help guide them. I think doing some kind of um, academic pursuits or some kind of research is very helpful and many programs look for that. Uh, they mount that I don't think there's any particular number, like some people will say, well, do I have to have a certain number of papers? I don't think that's the case. Um, but I think to show that, you know, you have a uh, pursued dermatology in, you know, some kind of research or other activities is important.
0: Absolutely. I've heard that from a lot of the current fourth years who are trying to match now, as they really emphasize getting into research, just Finding a mentor early on in in um, medical school, if you think you're interested in dermatology, or if you think you're interested in another um, field, and uh, one thing I've heard is that your research doesn't have to be in dermatology. Maybe if some students are thinking a little bit later on in medical school, like our third year, and they kind of decide at the last minute, and they've done a lot of you know research in another field, do you feel like that is still an okay thing to do, or do you recommend they try to find um, a dermatology? Uh, research advisor at that point.
1: So I do think all of your re- you know all of your experiences including all of your research is helpful. so I don't think it's that that doesn't count but I do think that uh even if you decide relatively late, having pursued dermatology activities in some way could be helpful to you. So again it's and all of that is going to count but perhaps you know again finding a mentor for dermatology, uh, also, I think uh, perhaps having a letter writer who is a dermatologist, that kind of thing, who, again, often will be a mentor kind of, th- kind of individual, I think that that can be very helpful. So uh, I do think that there should be some related to dermatology, although, again, all of those things are helpful.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what do you think students should look for when they're looking for a residency program? Like, what are the things that kind of stand out?
1: This is an excellent question, and I'm not sure that there is one answer to this. I think applicants should be looking for a program that is the right fit for them, just like they looked for the right undergraduate college for themselves and the right medical school for them. So I think it's a very individual answer. I think one of those things to think about is location, because you are going to be in, the, in that place for at least three years. So you want they want to be in a place that they're going to be comfortable I also think that uh, they want to have an environment where they feel that they're going to be challenged and stimulated, but also where they feel that they're going to be comfortable. I think for people who are particularly interested in research, they should look for a uh, program ha- that has, su- su- has had success in uh, developing uh, physician scientists. I think if someone is particularly interested in a subspecialty in dermatology, so they should look that they have the, that kind of su- subspecialty or faculty who are interested or working in this. This being said, uh, we know that the dermatology uh, residency match is very competitive, so I do think people should apply widely and be open to different experiences, but as they're interviewing uh, or looking at programs, they should consider these things, but then again, be open to perhaps other things so that they'll have the best chance of success.
0: Those are excellent points. Thank you. So on the flip side, what are you looking for in applicants for your residency program?
1: So I will tell you, when we uh, do our interviews, we really try to emphasize that, you know, we're looking for people who are going to fit in our team. Uh, Our team includes, you know, our residents and our faculty and our staff and all of those who are in our department who are working to treat patients, to do dermatologic research, and to teach the next generation of uh, dermatologists. And so we want to find people who want, who fit well in our environment, who are going to contribute to that. And and there are many ways to contribute, but just someone we think is going to do something in our realm. And overall, I think we're also looking for people um, who are going to make an impact in some way in dermatology. There's, again, lots of different ways to do that. We're not only looking for people who are going to do amazing research, although that's great, we are also looking for people who are going to be great clinicians or who are going to translate uh, various technologies into dermatology or who are going to do advocacy work or who are going to go to underserved communities and uh, bring dermatology there and there are many communities where we definitely don't have good you know the access that we would like for people so there's all different ways that people can have an impact but you know having someone have some idea of how they are going to approach that and make a difference for good is what we want
0: yeah, I think that one of the things I hear a lot is just, you know, have your own angle and what what do you bring to whatever program that you're going to go to? You really want to show the ways in which you find your own passion and how you can express that to the program. So it sounds like that's what, maybe what you're saying as well. Yes. All right. Excellent. Well, do you have any other last minute thoughts or any other things you want to mention?
1: The only other thing I would say is that, you know, I love the field of dermatology, although I, you know, started by explaining that, you know, it wasn't like kind of a long-term plan of mine, but, you know, as soon as I saw dermatology, I I was very excited about it and, 25 years later, I'm still just as excited about it. I think that's a great field. I think all of us who are working in it really feel fortunate to be in this field. Um, but I think we also want to help again the next generation for coming up. So I think you know people should feel free to reach out to the various uh, you know mentors across the country, uh, try to get some help and um, we all want to want to make sure that we're, that uh, skin research and skin health is going to uh, continue to improve more and more in the future.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Kelly, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast.
1: My pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the DIGA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to derminterestpod at gmail.com.
0: This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.